Hello and welcome to a Thursday, March 2nd edition of Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Horace Kermani, and I get joined by my guy, Kenny, as we jump into a more relaxed four-game slate to make us right into the last part of the week. We're into March now, getting really into that crunch time. There are about 20 games left in the season, so teams just really duking it out to try and get themselves into the best position possible as far as playoff scenarios are concerned, tanking scenarios. We're getting lots of uh, major injuries coming through as of late and just altogether been a bit of a, a bit of a crazy week as far as stars are concerned. Kenny, how's, uh, how's your week gone? How are your props going? How are things been up with you lately? Oh man, uh, props actually went well for me for NBA today. Um, DFS, not so much. Um, have some success in cash games depending on how Brandon Ingram and um, CJ McCullough finish, but outside of that, just really has success with the props today. Yeah, that's fair. Not looking too good for me tonight either. Had a pretty decent Tuesday after that uh, podcast I had with uh, with Ramiz. I felt good getting uh, Miles Turner right on that one, and I think I'm going to keep riding that train. Spoiler alert. But before we go ahead and get into the four games today, as always, for those who are not subscribed as of yet, get yourself onto sportsethos.com and get onto that DFS pass if you have not already. What are you doing? The premier source for DFS content. Not only do you get access to things like our live injury report, our DFS delivery is written by all of our wonderful professional writers on the site itself, but you also get access to our Discord to be able to ask the pros all the way up until lineup lock, really keeping track of all the little things that can make all the difference in the world when we are talking about a slate such as this where four games, not that much margin for error, and we can jump right into it with Toronto being the first game of the night going into Washington to take on the Wizards. Now, a lot of these teams are coming on a back-to-back because it's just long slate on on Wednesday going into it. So we don't actually have totals for this game here. But as far as uh, injuries are concerned, uh, Toronto's actually pretty good to go over here. Fred Van Vliet got back uh, onto the floor in the last game over there. And Will Barton was the new pickup for the Raptors. Uh, got to uh, play four minutes in his debut as well. We'll see how his role ends up panning out as things kind of move forward. And on the Washington side, other than uh, the... Uh, other than the Monte Morris injury that continues to be that week-to-week thing for them, they are looking pretty good to go as well. So really, you know, Kenny, I'll, I'll let you start on this side because I know I'll, I'll be jumping in on the Toronto side here, but who are you liking as far as uh, as far as this matchup is concerned? Anyone specifically hitting your radar? You know, when it comes to price points, I typically don't like going to this player, but for 5-5 five, five and the amount of threes he's been throwing up lately, I got to say the player I'm most intrigued, is Gary Trent Jr. Uh, for 5-5. Five, five. Um, I want to say in four of the last, what, six or seven games, he actually hoisted up about nine three-point attempts and connected on roughly around 40% of them. And if he could get that for 5-5 five, five on a four-game slate, I feel like that's the safest play for cash or GPP in this um, matchup. Yeah, I like it. I mean, Gary Trent's definitely been... That much more important to the offense, especially with the uh, the injuries they had been having. They've really been relying on him to get going and in general been 
probably their only reliable three-point shooter this entire season. So I, I like that pick. I'm going to stick with the uh, Jakob Pertl side as well of things. I've, as I've said in the last couple of episodes that I've been on, I just think that his price tag is going to keep rising up until that uh, you know high 6,000, low 7,000 mark. And really, he hasn't had a dud game since he joined the Raptors as well. He hasn't really been off for his uh, for his value in any of them. And even in the last game where you know 6,100 hit about a little under 30 and a half, so not exactly 5x, but it's just a really safe floor there. And it's not too many games where he's going to end up with just three rebounds on that. So I do like him here. I do think this is a matchup where he can continue to take advantage. Washington, outside of Daniel Gafford, who is you know, a pretty undersized center, if they're going to be going ahead and throwing him up against Jakob Pertl, is probably going to be a pretty decent opportunity for him to get a pretty solid double-double on this one. So you know, the opportunity to get anywhere between 5.5 to 6x for his value is there. And... I know we, I just spoke about Fred VanVleet returning. His price tag was stupidly like inflated in that last game. I had no idea why he was sitting at like 9,700. It was crazy. But it's definitely been uh, a pretty uh, pretty sharp adjustment on this one. And he's all the way down to 8,400 here. And Washington has been a matchup where he has uh, historically been able to do pretty well on here. So given the fact that we are at a smaller slate and uh, you know there's not too many guys that are always sitting in that 8,000 mark that can drop 50 on you, uh, Van Vliet's probably another uh, guard I'm looking at, but as far as uh, as far as Washington's concerned, really, you know, no one is jumping out at me other than uh, I'll have a little bit of Delon Wright in my cash games as I usually do. I like his uh, his minutes that he'll just continue to normally get, and uh, he'll often just be able to get uh, a little bit of everything as far as stat lines concerned to be able to get you kind of up and running over there. Anyone on Washington specifically for you? Or do you want to move on to the next one? Um, with Washington, um, in my GPPs, I'm always going to have interest in Kyle Kuzma. Um, really do feel like his floor It's probably going to be about 20 DraftKings points, but if he gets going, he's going to be able to give you 50 points for 7-7. Seven, seven. Um, outside of that, if you want to go a little bit cheap, um, Avia is a nice little play for 5K. You never really know what you're going to get out of him if you want to say, like, hey, let me rebound 20 times today or eh, let me just get four rebounds and about eight shot attempts. Um, feel like the floor is pretty safe. Should be about 15, 20 for 5K. Yep, that's fair. And we do see Porzingis back on, on the floor as well. So that should hopefully open up a little bit more opportunities for everyone else uh, to see what they can get on the Washington side as well. Moving right on to the second game of the night, which is the Philadelphia 76ers on a back-to-back going into Dallas to take on the Mavericks there. Uh, As far as injuries are concerned for them, Embiid, who did miss the game uh, tonight against the Heat on that second, what we want to say, back-to-back slate they had against uh, the Miami Heat there, did win that game tonight, which is pretty exciting. But Embiid did miss that one, and he is questionable for this game here. He's been uh, dealing with a little bit of a foot issue for the last little bit, and hadn't really kept him out for any sort of period of time, but looks like he may be uh, dealing with a little bit more of that here. While on the Dallas side, it's pretty much all systems go there. As far as Philadelphia is concerned, I'm absolutely keeping an eye on, on that Embiid news, because as we saw today, it was Paul Reed who got the opportunity to be able to jump right in. 3,300 dropped a pretty monster double-double over there, 14 and 16 last I checked. Uh, might have gotten a couple more by the end of the game there. But in general, has shown that anytime he can get any sort of reasonable minutes, he's just an excellent point-per-minute producer. So he's definitely in there for me. And, you know, much like you spoke about uh, Gary Trent in the last game, Tyrese Maxey continues to be that guy for me. And even though you know, he hasn't really had that 
kind of complete breakout performance as of yet. I just can't get my head around his price tag continuing to be at this point and him not having one of those games where he drops you know 40 DK points as he was doing pretty consistently at the start of the uh, at the start of the month. So you know his offense is going to continue to be needed. He's still getting those double-digit shot attempts. It's all about whether he can get some of those ancillary stats to go with it, which obviously get depressed a little bit once uh, Embiid is uh, on the floor alongside Harden. But I just think there is a, there's more than enough kind of upside for him at that price tag, especially to be able to go ahead and uh, do well on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't have too much interest in this game outside of one player who I'm like kind of surprised I actually have on my radar. But I really do feel like this is a great spot for Maxi Kleebler. Um, he came back, I want to say, last game and actually played about 30 minutes. That kind of surprised me. Um, but he looked pretty well out there taking, what, two, three months off. Um, I really do feel like he's somebody who can actually space the floor out a little bit better than um, Dwight Powell, since I really just hate watching these Dwight Powell minutes. <laughs> and if <laughs> and if Embiid is out, I really do like um, the spot a little bit better for Keebler at 3-3. Yeah, and it seems that uh, you know Christian Wood is just starting to continue to see his minutes just drop more and more every game. He's down to like the high teens now as far as minutes are concerned, which I mean I don't totally get because they really could use that offense uh, to be going. But obviously his defensive woes are well known, which is why Kleba will end up finding more minutes on the floor there. So yeah, as you said, if you can get his kind of regular minutes uh, quota as he would get, you know, high 20s, low 30s even, depending on how things work out, he could definitely be a great pick for that 3,300. And the rest of Dallas, I just haven't really been loving it in in general. Uh, Kyrie's usage is just not high enough uh, for where um, his price tag is. I would hope he can get eventually down into like that low 8,000s mark and I'd have a lot more interest in him. And Luca is Luca. I, I expect that he might be the kind of highest raw point scorer on this night here. I just find that there are uh, more opportunities for me to be able to kind of double down on some of these mid-tier guys that I'm really liking. And uh, I may end up uh, having Luca in a couple of my cash games, but I have a feeling I'm not going to have him in as many GPPs as I would have otherwise thought when I first looked at the slate. Moving right on to the third game of the night, which is the Indiana Pacers going into San Antonio to take on the Spurs. One game that we do have a total for, and this one looks like it's going to be a big one, 239 total for this one, and the uh, Pacers are favored to win by four for this game. And as far as injuries are concerned, we uh, know that uh, Tyrese Halliburton has come in in question before this game. So uh, he was having a little bit of issue in, in their last practice session there. We'll see if he is able to get on the floor, because if not, then we may have a couple more interests in a in a resurrection of a certain TJ getting back on the floor and being able to go ahead and put up big numbers as he had while on the San Antonio side, this is where there is, you know, a bit of uncertainty in terms of who's actually going to be able to get on the floor because the trio of Keldon Johnson, Trey Jones and Malachi Branham, all of them are listed as questionable coming into this game. While even Devin Vassell, who had been dealing with his, you know, long-term injury for the last little bit. And they had said that he is aiming for March 2nd. Actually, it looks like he's going to be able to go ahead and get on the floor, which is super exciting news for me personally, because he's on like 60% of my season-long fantasy teams, and I really want him back on the floor. But in general, he has uh, been probably the best player for the Spurs this entire season and just uh, continues to be super important for them, likely to be on a minutes restriction, but let's see how that works out. 
Uh, in terms of who I do have interest in, kind of assuming that uh, some of these uh, questionable tags actually kind of go through on the Spurs side here, Jeremy Sohan just continues to be that one spur that I find myself consistently taking. Just goes back to there really isn't much for the Spurs to be able to play for outside of the fact that they have this rookie who's shown so much upside in terms of his game and his versatility that uh, he's going to get anywhere between 28 to 32 minutes, which he has been consistently for the last, I want to say, month and a half at this point. But more exciting than that is just consistently getting double-digit field goal attempts in that as well. So if you can get even a couple of those rebounds and assists, which he has kind of shown, the upside is very easily there for him to get 30-plus as far as DK points are concerned on a night. So for 5,300, definitely one that I have a very strong eye on. And then going back to that questionable tag for both Trey Jones and Malachi Branham, if that does happen to go through, then Devontae Graham is likely going to be the one to step in as the starting guard on the San Antonio Spurs. Not necessarily the most sexy of picks, but you know that he has the greenest of green lights. Anytime he gets the ball, he's going to put up shots. And if he ends up playing anywhere between uh, you know, 28 to 30 minutes, as he would if, uh, if all those guys are sitting out, then I could easily see a uh, 30 DK point night for him as well. So those are kind of my main guys as far as the Spurs are concerned. Uh, what about you for them and anyone for Indiana? Um, I have players for both sides. For San Antonio, uh, my favorite play is actually going to be um, Blake Wesley for 3-4. He's been getting about 20 minutes per game, and right now San Antonio are in just the perfect take mode with, what, 16, 17 straight losses. So I really do see his minutes only going up instead of down. Um, another player I have interest in on the San Antonio side, a little bit pricey. Um, so I might not get to him too much, but um, Zach Collins, um, he's been getting about 20, 24 minutes per game, and he's just been producing. Um, gave you a couple rebounds, a couple blocks, a couple steals, and he was just showing that he could actually stay on the floor, even though he used to have a history of foul trouble. Um, on the Indiana side, um, I am also have a lot of interest in a cheap guy, Jalen Smith for 3-3. He's been getting about 20 minutes per game, and I really do feel like in this type of atmosphere, which I'm going to assume is going to be the highest scoring game total on the slate, if he can actually stay on the floor, he could be pretty productive. Um, Jordan Nora is another player I have some interest in for GPPs as well, for 3-4. I was still kind of surprised Milwaukee gave him up, but he's been actually shining pretty well for um, Indiana in the past few games. Um, I think he's even had a 40-point draft nights a couple days ago as well. Um, outside of that, the last player I have interest in, if he plays, but he's questionable right now, is um, Tyrese Halliburton, 9-2. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if Halliburton finds himself on the floor, I actually think he's probably my favorite guard uh, to be able to take on the night here. I know Luca is obviously an option, and uh, so will Westbrook later on there, but uh, Halliburton continues to be that guy who just uh, – is a monster night in night out as long as he's on the floor. And I'll, and I'll stick back on what I was saying about Miles Turner earlier. Uh, he's probably my favorite center on this slate overall, given how things are working out. It's a great matchup for him. Uh, there's really not much size on the front on the front court as far as the Spurs are concerned. Even Zach Collins, uh, relatively undersized to be able to go out and be a center. And the fact that uh, the Spurs did actually win the last game after, as you said, I think it was 16 losses before they did that. Might actually uh, find themselves uh, not wanting to do that. Let's see how many how many minutes Zach Collins actually ends up getting, depending depending on how things go. So Turner 
indefinite situation here where they want to win as many games as possible for Indiana get get themselves into that uh, that playing tournament at the very least and see what they can uh, what they can do from there. But yeah, for 74, we haven't had a game below 40 DK points for Miles Turner now in uh, three straight games. And even before that, his last real dud game happened all the way uh, back on the 10th of February. So he's been on a hot streak. Might as well keep riding it until he uh, until he lets you down. Last game of the night is probably the more exciting matchup of the night here. The Clippers going into Golden State to take on the Warriors there. As far as injuries are concerned, this is what a miracle. I want to rub my eyes. No one at the moment is listed as either questionable out as far as the Clippers are concerned. That's uh, got to be definitely one of the uh, rarer sights of the season. On the other hand, Golden State, Steph Curry continues to be out. Uh, Andrew Wiggins continues to be out. Jordan Poole is probable for this game. So he's likely going to be able to find himself on the floor. And... I'll let you get started with your uh, with your Clippers there, Kenny. What do you think? Uh, you expecting this to be a pretty close matchup? Or what are we looking at as far as totals are concerned? Because uh, we don't have that as of yet. Yeah, um, I don't think we're going to get any totals until we actually get the full injury report. Because I really don't see this being the first game of the season where every single Clipper <laughs> is available. Um, I would love to see that, but I don't think we're going to see that until the playoff happens. But when it comes to Clippers that I'm loving in this matchup, um, I'm going to start with, actually, um, Zubak. Really do like him in this spot for 5'8". Um, he's, I forgot what injury he had. He came back um, last game, and he looked pretty well. Um, gave you about 30 minutes against Minnesota. And I feel like if you get him in this matchup against Golden State, this is actually a somewhat competitive game. You're looking at a 40-point draft king night from him. Um, outside of that, when it comes to a couple GPP plays that I like, I'm going to have some interest in Terrence Mann. He's basically just been reduced to the fifth man in the rotation in every single lineup he's in. But the thing is, you know, Ty Lu will have him on the floor. And I feel like, again, competitive matchup, Lu's going to play with what he likes and what he knows. So I really do feel like Mann's going to be in a good spot for a floor of around 20 points. For that low price tag of 3.9. Then for my spend up, I'm actually going to be going um, Paul George for 8.5. Yeah, that's fair. And uh, I was going to ask you I mean, you talked about Ty Lu getting players on the floor. I feel like Nicholas Batum in these kind of matchups is the one who ends up finding himself in a lot of different uh, lineups to be able to go ahead and kind of be that versatile defender for them. Got. Uh, obviously 38 minutes in that Sacramento game, but even in the in the Denver game was there in the kind of key moments all, all the way through. And even though he only played about 21 minutes, was able to get you 24 DK points for his uh, price tag as well. So 3,300, pretty, uh, pretty safe as far as I'm concerned to be able to throw him in that uh, power forward slot. And I'll go back to what I was saying about Westbrook earlier. It's uh, It's been a pretty solid uh, turnaround for him to be able to get here on the Clippers. And even though they haven't won a game, surprisingly, in the three games that he's been there, he himself has been playing pretty great for uh, for the time that he's been there. I mean, efficiency isn't necessarily what we associate with Westbrook, but he's been shooting well over 50% from the floor in the three games that he's, uh, that he's found himself playing with the Clippers and getting back to some of his more diming ways as well. So I think the floor is going to get his price tag eventually getting into the 8,000s. But for now, I, I really like that 7,000 price tag for him to be able to get uh, somewhere close to a 40 DK point night. So pretty, uh, pretty safe bet for me over there. And 
on the Golden State side, really is just going to be the consistent Draymond Green that I've that I've just liked, especially in any of these uh, competitive matchups. He just gets a little bit extra going as far as his juices are flowing. He'll get more rebounds, he'll get more assists, and he'll end up uh, taking a couple more shots in those games as well. He's been coming off uh, three pretty solid games, including that Portland one where even though he only took five field goal attempts, ended up on a near triple-double and put a 42 DK point. So I just like the way his stat line often ends up working out. And as long as his price tag is sitting in that 6,000s, I think that's a pretty uh, pretty safe floor for you to be able to go ahead and uh, take advantage of. Anyone from the uh, Golden State side for you, Kenny? Yeah. Um, first player that I'm going to gravitate to on the Golden State side will be Kevon Looney. I really do feel like this is going to be a double-double spot for him. And for 5-4, especially on a four-game slate, I feel like that's something you would, you know, more than likely plug into a cash game lineup. If you're looking for a GPP play, I feel like Anthony Lamb will be in a good spot if he gets the minutes he's been getting throughout the last four or five games from Kerr. Um, I really do feel like a player like him is versatile enough to be on the floor for just about any lineup that the Clippers throw out. Well, that's completely fair. Well, let's see how that actually ends up working out and brings us to the end of the four games that we would have on this night. And before we uh, do sign off, of course, looking at the Thrive Fantasy side of things where your player props are going to be of interest here to go ahead and make your lineup. And really, it was two that uh, jumped out to me. Uh, first of all, going back to what I was speaking about with Kyrie and his usage, just being a little bit of a, uh, I don't even know what's what's going on as far as uh, his, uh, his shot attempts are concerned. He seems to be a little bit more passive over the last little bit. But in general, 29 and a half, I think, is a bit too high for his points and rebounds in that uh, Philly matchup over there. And I'm going to take the under on that for a hundred points. So 29 and a half points to rebounds for him to be under that. And then the second one, going back to the hot streak that Miles Turner himself has been on, for him against the San Antonio Spurs, again, super fast-paced matchup, a great matchup for him as far as uh, kind of individual defenders going up against his side. And for him, 29 and a half points, rebounds, and assists combined. I expect that he will go over on that to be able to get a 105 uh, points on Thrive Fantasy for that as well. All right. And for me, the two props that I'm going to be going with is um, Luca over the 14.5 rebounds and assists mark. Really do feel like that number is a little bit too low, especially against this matchup against Philly. And the second prop I'm going to be going with is the under on Yakapoto's 9.5 total rebounds. Ooh, okay. Well, going now, going directly against on that. So I'm going to have to keep an eye out on that one. But that is going to bring us to the end of a short slate here. And we're getting right into the weekend. As always, you can find me on Twitter at HAK underscore devil, where we'll see if Yaka Pertle can put up a big double-double, as I'm hoping, and uh, get the Raptors back to 500, 31 and 32 now, trying to get back into that playoff spot there. Kenny, where can the people find you? Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at OrangeDFS. I'm always talking about basketball from WNBA to NBA to EuroLeague to NBL. I'm always there to talk ball. Love it, love it. Well, ball is life, as they say. And for everyone else, just continue to uh, keep uh, hitting us up with all of your great stuff. As always, get yourself subscribed onto sportsethos.com. Get yourself with that DFS pass. Find us on the Discord, ask the pros, and keep engaged all the way. But until next time... Let's kill some GPPs.